0: Welcome into Box Office Quarterbacks with Ryan Schmelz and Jeffrey Gordon. Jeffrey Gordon is riding high right now because the Mile High City is going to the conference finals. How are we feeling, Jeffrey?
1: Back to back. Uh, comebacks from being down 3-1. to one. Um, As a Denver Nuggets fan, I've never been happier. I, uh, I listened to Return of the Mac blasting in my car all the way to work this morning. I was uh, very excited. Just say
0: that Well, as uh, film critics, we always love a good plot twist and when things don't go as expected. and <laughs> I think every Hollywood movie script wanted a LA versus LA championship game. I mean uh, the whole year everyone's it's always been Clippers Lakers, Clippers Lakers, Clippers Lakers and especially when we got into the um, into the championship or into, into the NBA Finals and the playoffs started. That's all everyone was talking about. And I just love it. The, the Nuggets just threw a wrench in those plans. No one gave them a chance.
1: Yeah, even on ESPN the other day, uh, somebody was like, you know, we all want the, the Nuggets and the Clippers to happen. So even the national media was, was biased toward this matchup, and I love that we threw a wrench into it. We're the underdogs, and we like it that way, as uh, Coach Mike Malone would say.
0: (laughs) Well, speaking of underdog stories, we've got probably one of the better ones uh, that you'll ever hear, and that is Jodie Foster's underdog FBI agent story in in Silence of the Lambs. And we picked this movie on a complete whim. We were thinking about doing something else, and then I noticed this was on Netflix, and I just kind of threw it at Jeff and said, hey, why don't we watch Silence of the Lambs? Because we needed to do a... We thought we needed to do some more horror movies. Now, I don't know if I characterize this as a horror movie. I I kind of consider it more of a, a psychological thriller and more of a crime maybe movie, but some people do consider it a horror movie. Um, but I I'm I'm very happy we we picked this movie because uh I would just consider this a cinematic masterpiece.
1: Yeah, Ryan. We we definitely uh had a type for a while uh sean William scott early 90s <laughs> late 2000s movies but i'm happy we did this uh yeah it's a it's a psychological thriller with um some very uh deep horror roots in there um that you, that you can see especially towards the end of this movie and this is probably either the best or the second best movie we've ever covered on this show
0: yeah and the show's still very young let's keep that in mind but um our first segment we like to do here is called what do you remember? Because one of the things we love about this show so far is that we get to go back and watch movies. And then we completely have our minds changed about how we originally thought about it. Um, And I think so far for me, the biggest example of that is no country for old men. I watched it for the first time in middle school. I thought it was a good movie, but didn't think it was anything spectacular. Watched it again here. And now I think it's one of the best movies of its respective decade. This one, um, I feel like when I consider my favorite movies of the '90s, I always felt like it got lost in the shuffle for me personally. But now that I've rewatched it, I remember watching it as a kid and liking it. I thought it was a good movie, but I, I don't remember thinking it was any better or any different than any other action fi- or uh, any other you know psychological thriller or horror film at the time. But now rewatching it, oh, have I realized why people consider this the masterpiece it is. It, um, it, it's really impressive.
1: So I, I watched this movie for the first time maybe five or six years ago. Um, and it was because the Hannibal TV series um, had come out. So I kind of wanted to compare the two. But as far as me remembering this movie, my first thoughts of it came when I was a kid. And, you know, going to the video store and I saw the poster on the wall with the with the moth in front of Jodie Foster's mouth and it always scared the hell out of me. It was just so creepy. I didn't know what it was about. But um, now that I do, I agree with you, Ryan. Definitely one of the best movies um, of the 90s, that entire decade.
0: It's one of the best movies of all time, period. And if, if we're considering thrillers, it's at least top 10. Um, it just... It, it, you talk about, uh, well, first of all, acting. Performances are off the wall, especially from our, 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 lead, our two leads and our, even our side villains. Um, obviously sticking out Anthony Hopkins, Jodie Foster's performances, um, de- definitely up there. And, and, and honestly, we, 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 we witnessed probably one of the best villains of all time in this movie.
1: Yeah, he's only on screen for 24 minutes anthony hopkins in this movie and he's so menacing and just the mind games that he plays with jodie foster's character clarice is just something to behold you have to watch it to to really kind of get inside those uh that relationship it's very intimate and it's um i just love the twists and the mind games he plays
0: with her you're so ambitious aren't you do you know what you look like to me with your good bag and your cheap shoes you look like a robe a well scrubbed hustling robe and we also get a great performances from just we got some good side characters here too you know you have like ted levine and uh who plays buffalo bill and then you have scott glenn who plays jack crawford who just um who give us i feel like in in the, t- the scenes there and they're you know buffalo Bill's really not in this a lot with um in, in terms of like, he doesn't really interact with any of our main characters too much but until the end, but, whoo, he gives you some, uh, a psychological break from Anthony Hopkins' character and, and some of the other uh, uh, scenes we have here.
1: Yeah, he's a believable psychopath. Uh, obviously, the the scene that stands out for me and probably a lot of people is when he's doing the dance in his uh, lair and he has the, the scalp of a a girl on his head and he's tucked things away and uh, oh my god that is just the creepiest thing i've ever seen and
0: and he's doing this all while a woman is screaming in the background and just uh, you you just one thing i will say also that that stands out this movie has some great attention to detail uh when we talk about set design i feel like the movies that always get, get noticed with set design are either like they're in a futuristic setting or they're in a, a setting from the past, like a World War II setting or an ancient medieval setting, right? Or, or just a, a science fiction setting or fantasy, you, you name it. But like this one, it, it's, it's a very modern setting. It was, it was timely, but like you just see so much attention to detail whether you're in Anthony Hopkins' uh, jail cell or you're in the FBI office or you're in... Uh, Buffalo Bill's lair or house, however you like to describe it. There's a lot of attention to detail. And in one of them that stands out, it's at the beginning of the movie where you see um, Jodie is walking through the FBI offices and they make sure to put an emphasis so that you notice that she is not a physical, physically um, intimidating presence. So they go through a lot of trouble to make sure you know that she's short or that she's not very like you know, she's not a, she's not a big person. She's a very small person. And she's in a, a a field that at times is physically demanding. And they're like, you know, she gets on the elevator and she's just so much shorter than everybody else in the elevator. And they do that so that, you know, that it's kind of like they want, they want you to know her limitations off the bat.
1: Yeah. And I love that. And she's the underdog, like you said in the beginning and uh, Jack Crawford is the one that sees something in her to, Pluck her out of the trainee program and throw her into the fire trying to find this serial killer. And one of the greatest scenes you'll see right off the bat is when Hannibal and Claire Reese meet um, in the Baltimore Institute for the Mentally Insane for the very first time. Um, He instantly zeroes in on her accent, um, calling out, you know, calling her a dumb hick and doing all these things and just kind of. Getting to the bottom of who this person is.
0: Good nutrition has given you some length of bone, but you're not more than one generation from poor white trash, are you, Agent Starling? And that accent you've tried so desperately to shed—pure West Virginia. Yeah. And before we, uh, before we get into that, you know, our second segment is like, what did, what did they say back then, and what are our thoughts now? So we kind of already talked about our thoughts now, but um, I think most people, this was. Obviously, well received. Almost immediately upon release, this movie only had a nineteen million dollar budget, I believe. Then ended up making over a hundred million dollars, uh, I believe, two hundred million, over two hundred million worldwide. But uh, it did have some negative reviews. I believe um, the Sh- uh, some writers from the Chicago Tribune did not have um, very good reviews of this, and one of them was Gene Siskel of all people, one of the one of the, the arguably the best movie critics of all time did not like this movie. And um, it's also another writer named Dave Kerr. And, and those guys gave this a negative review. I believe Gene Siskel's was a two out of four. And that's kind of shocking.
1: Yeah, I mean, we, we, we've seen this before where the opinion of the movie changes over time and a movie can age pretty damn well um you you look at blade runner that that's a pretty big example where it was universally panned when that movie came out now it's one of the most beloved movies of all time um so
0: you you left off billy madison (laughs) yeah uh well well, let's be clear though this movie was not poorly reviewed at all when it first came out It, it ended up winning best picture and almost swept the Oscars. So. It, it, yeah. it just, you know, you, you always have, uh, even great critics sometimes just go against everybody else and, you know, it's called a, I believe they call it a hot take and you see sports writers do it. I believe there's a, a Fox sports analyst named Nick Wright, who was very, uh, who pretty much just stuck with this take that the Clippers weren't going to win, uh, make it to the Western conference finals. And he was the only guy saying this. And then he, uh, he owned the take, and he stuck with it, and he defended it nonstop, and now he's uh, riding on his high horse.
1: Thank you, Nick Wright. You're my friend today.
0: Yeah, <laughs> but you, you can't be afraid to be wrong, and and I guess you know Gene Siskel didn't think this movie was that good back when it came out, and uh, it just is what it is. You know, I'm not gonna think any differently of him because of it, because he's obviously one of the most well-respected critics in movie history, and him, him and Roger Ebert just had an awesome show, and and they still have YouTube. Uh, you can find archived YouTube clips of their past movie reviews, and I always love listening to them. They're, they're so much fun to listen to, and I should have watched the one before this show, so I, I apologize for that. But I think we're ready to talk about our scenes. Let's do it. All right. Um, I said, I did like the, when, when Jodie Foster's in the office, that's a small detail, you know, they make sure to, they show you that she has some physical limitations in an FBI training, um. But um, what, what what do you have, Jeff?
1: So the meeting between Hannibal and Claire Reese, the very first meeting, is what stands out. Yeah. Um, I also like when we're first introduced to Buffalo Bill for the very first time. He's outside the apartment complex. And you see first you just see the night vision goggles zeroing in on this girl. And um, the trap he lays is pretty unnerving. You know, he has her get into the back of his van, he shuts it, he drives off. And then, um, it just sold the tension, I think, very, very well. Uh, this is the psychopath we're dealing with, and this is who he's targeting. So I really like that introduction to Buffalo Bill.
0: Yeah, and uh, he kind of blends in. He's a normal person. You know, you, he walks around on the street, you wouldn't think, oh, that's a serial killer, just walk by me. Um, and a lot of serial killers in the past have done this. Uh, it's, it's not very, you know, Ted Bundy, one who comes to mind. Um, and, and that's, I think what that's kind of the challenge when it comes to, and, and they kind of do a good job of presenting the challenge that these FBI agents are kind of dealing with when they're trying to find out who this guy is and where he is. But as you said, let's just, let's just go talk about the first time we see, uh, Clarice and Hopkins together. Um, <laughs> just the reveal, um, uh, and how they set it up too the build up when, when you, um, when, Jodie Foster is shown a picture and they don't show you the picture. This movie does a lot of, a lot of good mind games with, with the viewer. But they show you the picture and they just describe what the picture is. But they never show you what the picture is. And it's what Hopkins did to, I believe, a nurse uh, last time someone got too close to him. And, and then they just, I love the tracking, the, the camera following and showing the jail cells and the different crazy guys that, that he's living with. And we get get a bunch of crazies at first, but then all of a sudden we get to this just calm guy who's just standing there. Good morning. Dr. Lecter, my name is Clarice Starling. May I speak with you? You're one of Jack Crawford's, aren't you? I am, yes. And you you obviously, you still know he's crazy. Like, just the look on his face. But the, the, just the voice, like the the hello, everything he does, it's just so... It's captivating. You just get sucked in the minute you see Anthony Hopkins open his mouth.
1: And he's just not... And he, his stare is so creepy. He doesn't blink at all. And I love that they made his cell different than everybody else's. Um, he has this plexiglass cell, so you know that this guy is kind of a bigger deal and a lot more dangerous than just the other psychopaths that are right next to him. And um, that was a great ad. And... Just him getting into Jodie Foster's mind, he deciphers right away that she's not a real FBI agent. I, I think he, he, he has a line where um, he, he goes, you know, you were doing so, so well until you, you made this one mistake, and I loved how he zeroed in on it right away. Yeah,
0: and it's almost like you can tell he really likes her. Like he, he's, he's cheering for her just as much as the audience is. Yeah. <laughs> um, but and you notice too with the cinematography, they 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 opt to go with this um, this these camera angles that are directly on. With the with the actor or the actress staring right at the camera, and I think that that kind of sucks you into the scene more, and it, it allows you to kind of read, into the, the, the subject's emotion more. So like you know that that's why I think Jodie Foster's performance in in particular is so great. Cause you just see every single emotion she's feeling, you see it in her face and by her acting, just because they do this, they do this like type of cinematographer, which just head on, it's straight ahead. And, and these, these actors and these actresses would have done a great job regardless, but just the, the added camera work makes it that much better.
1: Yeah, everything, you, you know, they, they do some really nice camera work in here. Um, and I love that how they kind of focus on the character's eyes and, and their point of view. Like, when, when Claire Reese is talking to Hannibal, it's kind of like she's having a conversation with you as a viewer, and I really like that. Um, that decision by uh, director Jonathan Demme was a very smart choice, I yeah, would say.
0: He, he does a spectacular job, and I honestly think he kind of gets lost in the shuffle when we talk about a film like this.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: Um, I, I like how they kind of show the, um, uh, like, like even, even in like the FBI office, when we go into there for the first time, you see the newspaper clippings and that's kind of like the attention to detail I talk about. And that's the first time you see that head on camera shot when she's talking to Jack Crawford. Um, and, and, and I, uh, let's see what else here. Um, the head in the storage garage. Didn't see that coming.
1: Yeah, that, that, that's Hannibal playing uh, mind games early on. Um, and he's like, it wasn't my work. I just made sure that he was well-placed. Uh, it's just this, you know, the, the, the great thing about Hannibal, the character, is he, he is a psychologist by trade, so he knows how to play all these mind games. Um, they really get into it in the Hannibal TV series, but you can see a lot of it here. And just to have that type of person... As a serial killer, as a psychopath, is it, it's a great character choice uh, by Thomas Harris, the the guy who created Hannibal the character.
0: Um, I would also like to point out the after that I had the funeral scene, um, and in this scene there's a transition from. Uh, it, it's Foster Foster's walking straight on. They do a mix of her walking straight on into POV, and they transition from the modern funeral to her dad's funeral in the past. And I think it does. it's a great mix of POV and tight shots that kind of captures her life and the current situation she's gone through.
1: Yeah, I really liked how they did that flashback because, because too often at times, I think, in movies, uh, w- when you go to a flashback like that, it kind of takes away from... Uh, the story you're seeing unfold, but I think it added some some, you know, pretty good weight to her character to see that this is why she got into law enforcement in the first place was because she had a, a dad who was in law enforcement and died in the line of duty and she kind of wants to honor his memory. So I, I like that scene as well.
0: And, and I like the autopsy, which is also uh, around the same time. Um, I think that they don't rely on graphic uh content here it's it's kind of, they, what they're kind of trying to do is they're trying to show just how tough their job is you know they're they're putting uh mass like like pretty much stuff on so that that you, you can't they can't smell the the corpse um and they kind of just let the let the viewers' imagination take over they're not showing this 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 poor girl's body which is you know a little Rotted up because it's been in the uh, out in the water, and it, and she's been dead for some time. But they're going through the body, and just you get the facial reactions, and you get the 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 words of of the doctors and the and the coroners kind of talking about it. And that's and it just kind of lets your imagination take over, and you realize what this what this girl had been through. Two of
1: her fingernails are broken off, and there's there's dirt or grit under them. It looks like she's tried to claw her way through some. Yeah, it's kind of like earlier in the movie uh, what you pointed out with the picture of the nurse. Yeah, uh, you know, the director lets your imagination take over about what happened to this girl. And uh, that, that was a really smart choice as well. This is just a movie of smart choices. And there's, you know, there's no surprise that this was the best picture of that year for sure.
0: Uh, what other scenes did you like?
1: I, I like the ending scene.
0: Uh, well, you're getting too far ahead. You know, We, got, we yeah. still got a long way to go before we get to the end. Because <laughs> the end's right. awesome, but we got to talk about getting there. Um, I have dissecting the cricket and the lotion in the basket scene, which is probably one of the most parodied scenes in movie history.
1: Yeah, so before I saw this movie, I saw Joe Dirt, and there's Buffalo Bob in that movie. <laughs> and that's what I thought of the first time I watched Silence of the Lambs.
0: Oh, yeah, no, I, I don't know. I've, I've seen just so many. I feel, like, I feel like Family Guy, South Park, all these different... Uh, and I thought I wasn't going to be able to enjoy this scene because I just think it's, uh, it's just been parodied so many times that all I could think of was like, all these different movie and TV show skits that they've done to make fun of it. But it was still terrifying. And just like we talked about with the previous scenes, it's another example of them letting the viewer's imagination take over, like they did with the picture like they did with the autopsy. They do it here when you have the senator's daughter who is trapped in the well. And really none of those, none of those parts is what stands out to me. What stands out to me is when she looks closer at the well and she notices blood and I believe fingernails on the wall. And she realizes what people have been through who've been down in this guy's well before. And she kind of realizes what her fate's gonna be and she just loses her mind and gets hysterical and buffalo bill just mocks her
1: she was a great character like every scene she was in i I felt for her because you you got to imagine the situation she was in just he, he was feeding her scraps of food and just Hosing her down with water and everything in there. She's a great actress. Um, I don't think there's any bad mo- characters in this movie, to be
0: honest. No, me. no. I, I think they all serve a uh, they all serve a, a great um, a great role, and they all kind of serve their own purpose. And and when it comes to the senator's daughter, I mean, I, I think she was the first. Well, obviously, she's the only victim we truly see in this movie from Buffalo Bill. Everything else is either like it already happened or they kind of let the imagination take over and they explain what happened. But I think this is, this is the, this is the one where he finally bites off more than he can chew. And you you kidnapped a very powerful woman's uh, daughter. And this one knows a little thing or two about fighting back. And, and she kind of devises her own plan in terms of like, she buys herself some, her, her some time. And I think that's what makes this character a good one.
1: Yeah. Like, uh, you see when she lays the trap for Buffalo Bill's dog um like you said she she is she's a strong woman and she she's going to fight back against this weirdo that has her yeah. um trapped up in that well
0: yeah so, and we, um, when we get to characters we'll kind of talk about how this is really like a, they, there are some strong female characters in this movie yeah, i think there's uh there there's probably 3 i think that that really stick out i, I think there's only really 3 that they truly focus on that's the Obviously, the two we've already talked about, Jodie Foster, the senator's daughter, and then the senator herself is, uh, I think, really really good in the few scenes she's in, too.
1: Yeah, so I read some trivia for this movie, and oftentimes, before this movie came out, the FBI would watch a movie and kind of make fun of everything that they saw on screen, kind of like me and you do when we see uh, news people in movies. But when the FBI watched this movie... They were perfectly okay with it. They saw it as a recruiting tool for more female agents. That's how strong uh, the female characters were in this movie.
0: Oh yeah, no, I'll... that uh that makes sense. And uh and and it's Brooke Smith who plays Catherine. So let's be let's be polite and get our get our characters and our actresses' names right. But um, uh going on what what else do we have before we get to the ending? We've got a couple of them still. Oh yeah, I think the next one is the uh. A jail cell in the library
1: oh yeah um, that, that's when you really see Hannibal and his element um, just how dangerous dangerous he can be because before that it's all you know exposition from Jack Crawford or other characters uh, Dr. Chilton about what Hannibal can do and um, he just carves up those two cops yeah, in a in a gruesome way, and he just dis- puts one of them on display as like an angel, yeah. and it's so crazy, well, it's so.
0: Ugh. Well, we talk about we talk. If you listen to this show before, you've noticed that Jeff and I are huge fans of the Jaws effect and good build buildups, and this is the buildup. Yeah, we've seen plenty of Hannibal Lecter. It didn't take long to see him in the movie. It's not like the shark in Jaws, like we see him in the first twenty minutes, but we don't see what he's capable of we're just told what he's capable of until the that scene and i mean just the terror it is so terrifying um i'm trying to go through my notes uh uh, first of all they have a great conversation between him and jody foster beforehand where they're they're walking back and forth between the the jail cell bars or she's pacing back and forth and he's kind of still It kind of shows that her adrenaline's kind of picking up as this case is progressed and she's kind of becoming a little more weary of what she's been told by Lecter. But I just, everything about it. I I, I should have rewatched the scene before we we did this, but there's just so much to it. Um, It's just so slow at first, but you know something's coming. Ready when you are, Sergeant Pembry. First of all, there is a little nitpick I have with it, and and one of the, like the iconic parts of the scene is when Hannibal's got the blood, like, all over his mouth after he just bit a man's tongue out, and he's, you just hear the whacking of the nightstick, and it's really graphic. But at the same time, I think my one nitpick is like the way he's swinging that thing, like I've never beaten anybody with a nightstick before, but being a martial artist and playing baseball, like, I don't think you would swing something like that if you wanted to hurt someone. Are <laughs> you just standing straight up and going, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> very
1: artistic choice. Though. Yeah.
0: Like, I think you would have to put a little step and a little bit more wind into it if you wanted to be effective. But I'm not sure.
1: Yeah. Um, there was a funny kind of... Um, Thing with that scene now that, that I realize so Buffalo Bill played with Ted Levine was also the, the main villain in Jurassic World Dominion um, how his character dies in that movie spoiler alert is exactly what happens in this scene I, I just put the two and two together so the dinosaur is you know playing like he's locked up in his cage and oh. he gets Ted Levine so it's a crazy callback I literally just put that together so crazy <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah. Wow. That's unbelievable. That
1: <laughs> terrible though, but nice callback.
0: Oh yeah. Um, I, I love when first of all also the plot twist where you have like the the, the elevator moving up and down, you have the cops kinda sitting down there. If there is one if there are a couple nitpicks that I have in here, I wish we would have gotten a little more scenes with the cops down below because they have extensive airtime and extensive dialogue here and i wish we would have been given more reason to either cheer for them or know who they are um but that that's that's really small but you know you see the elevator move them down you're wondering why is everything going the way it is like why is the elevator doing all these different weird things obviously you know lecter's up to something but then when i love when the the body comes down through the elevator and as that's happening that's when you realize that that's not lector and that he's actually the guy who's been in the uh in the ambulance
1: such a crazy twist he he, he rips off that cop's face and puts it on his and pretends to be dead yeah um i, I would say my only nitpick with that scene is how Lecter did all this so fast how he was able to display the cop in his cell yeah rip off that guy's face change his clothes that's probably my only
0: nitpick. Yeah, you know? they, they, they could have probably taken, like, one thing or another. But then again, you know, we don't know how long that was going on. Because they do, I do think they do address that the cops have been up there for a while.
1: Yeah, so, that's
0: true. Um, but, but at the same time, it's another thing about the imagination thing. We don't see what this cop's face looks like, you know. So they don't, they don't, they don't try to gore us. They don't try to show us the graphic content. They let us think about the graphic content. It's kind of like the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, how they, when, when you see the, there's really not a lack actual blood and gore in this movie. It's just a lot of, like, imagination and set design that kind of scares you and, and creates the graphic content. That's what they do here. But I, I do love the whole, you know, when you're seeing, when Hannibal's playing the cop on the ground, you think, oh, wow, he really beat the crap out of this cop. I can't believe he did that. And then you realize, oh, wait, it's not actually the cop. He ripped the yeah. cop's face off, actually.
1: And he, even how how this whole sequence ends is is Hannibal in the ambulance, and the paramedic is kind of working on him, and you don't see him kill the paramedic, but you know he did it. Yeah. And I like that quick cutaway that they did.
0: Yeah, he also killed a Taurus, too.
1: That's right, and he took his clothes.
0: Yeah. <laughs> All right. So um, I reckon I don't have any other scenes I want to talk about that I can think of, Uh, I think we can get into Buffalo Bill now, the ending.
1: Oh man, it's, when people, some people do classify this movie as a horror movie, and the horror element of this movie comes at the very end, and I I love what leads up to Buffalo Bill's final confrontation with Clarice. So there's kind of a fake out, where you think Jack Crawford is on his way to Buffalo Bill's house, and Really it's Claire Reese and I love the way they switched it up. It's kind of like in the dark night when Batman goes to Harvey Dent instead of Rachel. It's a great fake out um, You know, Claire Reese is in trouble right away and then the descent into Buffalo Bill's Underground lair is great. Especially when the night vision goggles come into play um, What did you think of the ending?
0: <laughs> I think it's just another one of those attention to detail things Um First of all, the acting's great in this scene where where <laughs> I love that the um, Jodie Foster walks into into the lair and finds uh, Catherine in the well, and instead of <laughs> and she's like, "I'll be right back," and, she, and Catherine's like swearing at her. She's like, "No, you get me out of here! Like I'm not sitting down here any any longer." And she calls her some choice words It's uh, that we are not going to repeat on this show. Um, but uh, it's kind of like a, a little, like, whoa, okay, well, this has really gotten real. But then you get into the, when she's, and this is kind of the long-term storytelling payoff and, and, and the, the little details they've kind of revealed to us earlier. You know, one of the things they point out, obviously, Jodie Foster's physical limitations, as well as um, when it comes to the tactical side. Of of being an FBI agent and like like shooting and and clearing a room and and knowing where the suspect is or what dangers could be ahead. This is where she had struggled in the past. She was always the bookworm, and and this is when Buffalo. You think Buffalo Bill's gonna take advantage of those flaws in her game, but she steps up when her life's on the line, and I think that's a great uh, great example of of. of you know, attention to detail as we keep saying over and over again and, and uh, the storytelling that this movie puts together.
1: Yeah, the, the very end of the scene is what I love the most. So Buffalo Bill the entire time is kind of toying with her and, you know, slowly creeping on her um, the entire time watching her on night vision goggles. And Clarice hears the gun um, click back and that's when she knows Buffalo Bill is behind her and it's a quick draw kind of like a western she shoots first and gets him and that's what ultimately saves her life in the end i, re- I really like the ending there <sighs>
0: yep she used her uh, she used her brain used her her hearing to save her in that scene I just wish uh, Buffalo Bill's death would have been a little more painful, but that's just me. <laughs> I think he died; he got off too easily.
1: Throw him down the well.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um. Well, uh, and I think we have to point out the very, very ending, where the final conversation between Clarice and uh, Anthony Hopkins. He's like, "It'll. We won't be talking long enough for you to call for help, so don't bother." Yeah. And and, we bring, and it brings back, you know, there's one character that you just really didn't like in this movie. Uh, I, don't think it, I don't think it's a bad character. I think it's just, like, he's an unlikable person. And that's the, uh, I believe it's the prison, it's, it's Dr. Lecter's.
1: Dr.
0: Yeah. Help, what's his name?
1: Uh, Chilton. Dr. Yes.
0: Chilton. And Dr. Chilton. <laughs> is Dr. Chilton going to get what he deserves? And <laughs> little do we know, Hannibal Lecter is uh, following him and is going to be uh, eating him for dinner. And just the iconic line, I'm having a friend for dinner, and that's how the movie ends. I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for dinner. Bye.
1: I I stayed a little long uh, through the end credits because I kind of wanted to see if he caught up to him at the end because you just see him walking and following him through the streets of uh, South
0: America. Yeah, but a a fantastic, fantastic ending. All right, next segment is called Best Characters, where we rank our top five favorite characters of the movie. I don't think there's going to be much debate over who number one and two is unless we disagree over which one goes in front of the other one, but I think we're both going to lean towards uh, Dr. Hannibal Lecter and Clarice Starling.
1: Yeah, so Clarice would be number one for me because you spend the most time with her throughout the movie and she grows the most um, at the end of the day going from this trainee to kind of, you know, someone who's seen a lot of crap by the end of the movie. And um, Jodie Foster is great. Uh, one of the best performances of any movie we've ever done on this show. Um, Hannibal, obviously. Um You know the selling point for Anthony Hopkins. He doesn't have that much screen time, but he sells every second he's on it. Um, Love the psychological mind games. Love all the little character choices he does. Creepy, stare, all that stuff. And that's why they're one and two for me. All
0: right, I'm going to go with – I'm going to flip it. I'm going to go with Hannibal Lecter at number one. I think his, his character is just too iconic not to put at the top. I think this is one of the best villains of all time, potentially a top 10 all time villain, maybe even the best. That's a debate for another day. And we need to watch some more movies before we can make that uh, decision. But he's definitely a top two from the villains we've discussed so far. And what would you know that the top two movies that we've done so far have our top two villains. That's the Joker and Hannibal Lecter. I think this is too iconic of a character, too iconic of a performance and, Just so captivating, and he's very uh, much a love to hate type of villain. Uh, Just it's just such a well written character, such a well performed character. Uh, You can't put him, can't can't not put him at number one for me. And then uh, Jodie Foster as Clarice is number two. Um, I think this is a performance that was. It is. It's just such an empowering role. It's such a uh, fascinating role. It's a great underdog story. Uh, you you just you see her grow as you said, and you just see so much emotion and what she's been through and what she's currently going through in the performance Jodie Foster is uh, is is putting on screen.
1: Yeah, um, great performances by the two leads for sure. Number three for me would be Catherine. She she's not a main character by any stretch, but everything that she brought to to that role really sold it for me. You could really buy her. As someone stuck in this situation, and I and I love the ending, like you said, how she's kind of yelling at Jodie Foster's character to get her the hell out of that well. Love that. I Loved her craftiness, how she um, def- devised a plan to try to get her out of there by capturing uh, Buffalo Bill's dog. Um, everything about her was great. She's number three for me.
0: Yeah. Well, she, you think about it. She she's the one who um, she figured out his weak spot. And she attacked him on it. And the one thing, person, however you look at it, that he cared about in the world was that dog. And she said, well, I'm going to get the dog. Well, he's not looking. He's not attentive enough to that dog and to what the dog's habits are. And that's how she uh, pretty much... She technically buys herself some some more time because Buffalo Bill is looking at the uh, the insect that he's going to use to uh, kill her and strangle her to death. and she uh, ends up kidnapping the dog just in time, and that buys her enough time for Jodie Foster to come in and, uh, and save her. But I have her at number four. I have Buffalo Bill at number three. I think he is a very forgotten villain, whereas you have Hannibal Lecter, who you love to hate because he is technically helping out, and he's so crafty and so smart and just is so witty. But at the same time you also need a villain you just hate to hate because he's just so hateable and that's who Buffalo Bill is because you just see, you know, when he's tormenting this poor girl this whole movie and you're watching it, it just, you want this guy gone and that's why it's, it just, you're waiting for the time for him to finally get killed and because you don't, you, you don't see Hannibal Lecter die in this movie. So the fact that you do get to see Buffalo Bill uh, get what he deserves towards the end, I think that is a, um, a good payoff and to a, to a very, very dislikable character and a very good performance too.
1: Yeah, he's number four for me. Um, I, I, I don't think we've talked about his motives um, yet and it's to take the skin off these girls to make him a suit because he has some um, issues where he believes he, he's a transsexual And all this other stuff that goes into it. So he's a psychologically damaged character. And it's a memorable performance by uh, Ted Levine for sure. And everything he does um, throughout the course of this movie makes you hate him even more. Um, When he, you know, the lotion on the skin is one thing. And just the interactions he has with Catherine throughout the movie just uh, makes it all the more satisfying when he does get what he deserves at the end of the movie.
0: And it's really, uh, I just think it's, I think it's more forgotten than it should be in this movie. Um, and number five, uh, do you have Jack Crawford?
1: Jack Crawford is number five for me. I thought he was a very good mentor character. Um, very dad-like to, to Starling. And, um, um, this is how the, the, the character of Jack Crawford's written and all of Thomas Harris's, uh, you know versions of him. How he sees something in these young trainees, and um, you know that's why he's plucking them out of the academy and throwing them into the fire. And I really liked his and, performance.
0: And I think my favorite scene with him is is towards the end when he realizes that he's at the wrong house, and you see how terrified he is for uh for Clarice when he realizes that she's going into Buffalo Bill's house alone, and he's just you know because you don't see too much emotion from him through the movie. He's pretty sturdy, a pretty uh a hardened character, which is kind of what you have to be if you're going to have a position like that. But when you just see the, the, the fear of him leaving someone he really cares about and you realize just how much he cares about her in that moment. Um, I think that's a great attention to detail. Um, and yeah, I mean, he's the guy who gives Clarice her chance and sees something in her and he's, he's, he's taking a chance on her. you're taking somebody that young of a role or that young or that young in their training and putting him into a, uh, a high pressure situation with just catching a serial killer, so I think he does a great job. Great character. Yeah. And uh,
1: um, honorable mention for me would be Dr. Chilton. Um, there's no bad characters in this movie, but Dr. Chilton gets on your nerves, and that's by design. And uh, he's just so into himself. And within two minutes of meeting Reese, he asks her out uh, for the night. Um, he's just a uh, over not over the top, but he. His personality is uh, very. What's the word I'm searching for? Out there.
0: Yeah, and it doesn't shock. Like it doesn't shock you at all that he's. Uh, he does these petty torments of uh, Doctor Lecter for. Um, well, for killing a couple of people and all that stuff, but for misbehaving, I should say. And he's kind of. He's kind of a thorn in Lecter's side. Where where Lecter's not trying to go after Clarice, but he's definitely trying to do something about uh About Jack Crawford or not Jack Crawford. Um. Dr. Chilton. And um, I also like uh, Senator Martin. I think it's another strong female character. Um, she has a couple of good scenes. It's not for very long, but I think she does. That's a well-written character, too, for the short time she's in. And it also kind of shows that um, Buffalo Bill is indeed bitten off more than he can chew. He, he uh, committed the sin. He did something that was very high profile, which is kidnapping a senator's daughter. And now he's got everybody coming after him. And it, co- it yeah, ends up being his, <laughs> ends up getting him. Yep. All right. Well, I believe we started our last or last week, we started our first ever, um, rating system, which is, uh, it's pretty much a one to five scale. It is. The top rating is hall of fame. The second highest rating is all star Then you have starter bench and cut. And I think it is safe to say that we both view this as a Hall of Famer.
1: Yeah, 100%. Um, if this isn't the best movie we've done, it's second best. It's this and The Dark Knight neck and neck. Um, this, this is a movie that I can definitely watch You know, more than one time a year. It's, a, it's that good. And if you haven't seen this movie, you're missing out just for the performances by the two leads alone.
0: Yeah, I, I think it really says something, too, that this is a thriller. So, so after you see it once, you, you know what's going to happen. And it's a very graphic movie, but it has a great rewatchability, which is um, hard to do, quite honestly. Um, but this one, yeah, it's something you could. Pe- when it's on, people are kind of like, oh, I kind of want to keep going and see what happens from here. So I think that just stands out. And yeah, it's top 2 for our movie so far. So it's easy hall of famer for me.
1: Yeah, and um I I just love the world you know that these characters exist in. We we did get we did get a sequel. Pretty lackluster <laughs> sequel in my opinion.
0: Very and, lackluster. And some
1: other media. Um the the Hannibal TV series is probably the best thing that that's come out of uh this world created by Thomas Harris, but uh, nothing's ever going to compare to this movie
0: and Thomas Harris is the author who did the, the Books, correct? Yes uh, Now Red Dragon came out in 2002 and I believe that was fairly well reviewed not great by any means, but but decent let's read the uh, I Got the Rotten Tomatoes tomato monitor here. I'm trying to go through what what people have said about it in the past competently made but everything is a bit too familiar so I believe this was the prequel, and it kind of ends with the first movie beginning, which is, I guess, the last thing Dr. Lecter's told is that an FBI agent's here to see him. And that's how the movie ends. So they pretty much stop right once uh, the movie begins, right?
1: Yeah, so so the plot of Red Dragon, um, I haven't seen the movie, but, but the TV show pretty much uh, follows this plot. It's pretty much like Silence of the Lambs in a way, because... Jack Crawford has another protege um, working with Dr. Lecter to bring in another serial killer. So yeah, it's very familiar, and, and I can see why the critics kind of criticized it for
0: that. Yeah, well you have Richard Roper right here, wonderful performances and some really chilling moments, which is doesn't exactly give it you know a standing ovation, but says it's decent, which I feel like is kind of the consensus over this over it was that it's definitely better than all the other. It was definitely better than Hannibal, which got so just some very, very mediocre reviews to even bad reviews. Um, yeah. and, and really, nobody yeah. even tried to go after the the ending to it. I mean, they've literally, people have not known how to pick the series up since then.
1: Yeah, I think the reason Hannibal was so, you know, poorly received was because Jodie Foster decided not to come back. And then you have Julianne Moore step into an iconic role. Not an easy thing to do, but... I really don't see another sequel or any other, yeah, you know, I don't see this movie being topped is what I'm trying to say. It, it's just going to stand alone for sure.
0: Yeah. And there was also a Hannibal Rising movie that came out and I don't think that movie was very well received at all. Well, uh, that's a bad movie. Don't watch that one. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. What, what, what was kind of, did you ever see it?
1: Yeah. So plot summary. Um, from the top of my head, Hannibal uh, is seeking revenge for the death of his little sister, um, and he's hunting down Nazis. It's um,
0: it's okay. So it they ain't great. So they make him a uh, a what do you call it? An uh, anti-hero. anti-hero bit, yeah. <laughs> I believe they did that with one of the crappy Texas Chainsaw uh, movies. I think it, I guess it's like one of the reboot sequels, yeah. but.
1: The thing with that movie, the, the, the actor they picked to play Hannibal looks so much like Crispin Glover, it was so distracting to me the
0: entire time. <laughs> uh, did he do a good job? I've heard he wasn't terrible.
1: He wasn't terrible, but the, the second best Hannibal Lecter is Mads Mikkelsen from the TV series. He's Le Sheep in Casino Royale. Oh, yeah. He's great. He It's like, um, here's this handsome Hannibal that can kind of persuade people to do what he wants. It's a different take on the character.
0: Absolutely. Um, yeah, I I haven't gotten into any of those series. I've seen bits and pieces of Hannibal. It kind of looks like, from from my uh, assumption of it, it, it kind of seems like it kind of took the the Jaws 2 mistake. And they showed, like, when they show the shark too much in Jaws 2, this movie, kind Hannibal kind of just showed too much of the graphicness of what Dr. Lecter was doing. You know, he eats a man's brain. and Or, I know, he takes a man's brain out and feeds it to him and all this other crazy stuff. And they do it right in front of, uh right in front of uh, Clarice and it's just kind of odd, you know, a little too far. I don't know. They just, you know, they went for the, they went for the blood and guts and not the, uh, not the art artwork. Yeah.
1: I, I definitely could see what was going on in that pitch meeting. It's like, Hey, remember the scene in silence of the lambs where Hannibal escapes? What if we did a whole movie of just that? And that's probably why it was greenlit. Um, yeah, Silence of the Lambs definitely the best of this entire series.
0: <laughs> well, that's not even an argument. But... <laughs> yeah. Um, let's see here. So we um, we're, so we ranked this between number one and two. Do uh, we actually got our first? Uh, I was at a, I, I was I, I was talking with a friend not too long ago, and he uh, criticized us for hating on the Karate Kid ending said it's iconic. I was like, yeah, but it wasn't that good.
1: If you, so, The Karate Kid, if you've seen Cobra Kai, um, the end of season two, one of the worst things I've ever seen. So, yeah, they do have bad endings in that series for sure.
0: <laughs> Even the first one, the one that uh, you, I believe you called it a Hall of Fame movie, right?
1: Yeah, yeah Karate Kid 1, Hall of Fame movie. It still has some problems. Yeah, still like Onyx, but yeah, there, there are some problems.
0: Yeah, I called it a... Uh, I, I think I only gave it a starter rating. So Jeff and I were thinking about doing a segment, and I don't know if we're going to do it tonight or just wait to do it a uh, a different time, um, about doing a... Uh, taking a segment where we, we pretty much went through last week and rated all of our movies on our new rating system, and uh, we were going to pick a rating that we disagreed with and try to convince... The other person why they should change their opinion about a certain movie so i would either do probably halloween 2018 or major league with jeff and he would probably i don't know which one you'd pick for me would you probably pick karate kid
1: yeah definitely be karate kid just the iconic reason of that series existing is why i would do it
0: yeah so what will you want to go ahead and do our top five for so far for what we've uh, what we've reviewed
1: yeah, off the top of my head, um, The Dark Knight number one, Silence of the Lambs two, number three would be Jaws. Um, number four, uh, as far as memorability, American Pie.
0: Whoa. Yeah. You over? Uh, I I thought, I, you were gonna with, I thought you were going to I thought you were going to go with Back to the Future there. The way you oh, talked fr- it up. I changed
1: my. I, I forgot we did that one. So number three is Back <laughs> to the Future, four is American Pie, oh. and number five would be No Country Girl. Right. I'm Madness. gonna.
0: I'm gonna read through what we've done because I feel like you've missed a couple movies. So we've done Road Trip. That's not gonna make the cut. Varsity Blues probably not top five. Batman and Robin definitely not. Karate Kid, Palm Springs, Jaws, American Pie, Major League, Terminator Two, Judgment Day.
1: Oh, man, I got to change my list.
0: No Country for Old Men, Halloween 2018, The Dark Knight, Back to the Future, and Casino Royale. So I'm going to go off what I think your top five would be. I'm going to try to see how, how well I know you. All, All right, right. right. So your, your top five is Dark Knight, Silence of the Lambs, um, Back to the Future number three, Terminator 2, number four. Actually, no, no, no. Let's do Jaws number three. Back to the Future number four, and then uh, Terminator 2 number five.
1: You almost had it right the first time. I would have put Back to the Future number three.
0: <laughs> oh, Jaws number it, four.
1: And then Jaws number four, and, yeah, and then Terminator number five. But yeah, that would be my top five.
0: All right, so we'll do mine. Actually, no, you guess mine, and let's see if I get it right. You might want to get our list of movies out in front of you.
1: You would do The Dark Knight number one, and I think you do Silence of the Lambs, too. No Country for Old Men would probably be three for you. Very off. Ah, man. Now I'm stumped. Number four would be... (laughs) Jaws?
0: Eh? Keep going. What's number five?
1: Number five... is... Casino Royale.
0: Alright, I'm not sure. Uh, You got number one and two right. Number three, I'd probably put... I'd probably say Jaws number three. It's really hard for me. uh, Yeah, let's go with Jaws number three. Um, Hmm. I think I'm going to go with Terminator 2 for number four. Then number five. Hmm. I think I might want to do some more thinking on this. What else we got here?
1: I can tell you what the last movie is.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Batman and Robin. Yeah. Road Trip. Yeah. Road Trip's probably our second-to-worst movie we've done. Uh, Man, that's a lot of... uh, I mean, we really haven't done any bad ones besides... I mean, really, the only truly bad one we did is Batman and Robin, and then we were kind of divisive on um, Road Trip. I think it had a lot of redeemable qualities and a lot of huge flaws. So... Well, Ryan's gonna have to think on his top five a little bit more and decide what next.
1: Yeah, that's for that's for next week's show. Ryan is gonna reveal his top five. Yeah.
0: And then we'll maybe do a consensus one where we both have to like decide what goes on there.
1: We should do a March Madness style tournament
0: on Twitter or something. Was, <laughs> what movie do you think is
1: the best one that we've covered so far?
0: There you go. We do like uh seating. So what uh, yeah. <laughs> Dark Knight goes up against uh Batman and Robin now. <laughs> it's
1: <laughs> perfect. perfect.
0: Perfect, yeah. All right. Well, what a show. A lot of fun with this one.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: Yeah, well, I, I don't think the goal isn't to do movies this spectacular every single time, but we just we hit a diamond this time. and I, I think we're doing taxi driver next. We got to decide what we're going to do next though. Um, we got to get back to guest host soon, so we'll try to figure that out too.
1: Yeah, uh, Taxi Driver is going to be fun. Um, uh, the original anti-hero, Travis Bickle, I'm looking forward to, to getting in his head again.
0: All right. Well, thank you all so much for joining us. As always, I'm Ryan Schmelz. He's Jeffrey Gordon. We'll see you next week with Taxi Driver. Thank you so much. Have a great night, everyone.